325. Oh, there he is. Okay, I, I was thinking that, that that's Esther, 325. All right. Well, listen, all right, we've started the recording up. And, you know, Russell, you mentioned about time we start calling these the enemies. It's interesting you mention that because I had laying here on my desk still my notes from part seven in Israel, Judah, and Jew in the fellowship series that we we did several weeks back. And uh, that final part seven I titled How to Recognize an Enemy of God. And Psalms 50 verse 19, you can start for verse, at verse 16 to see who he is speaking of. But um, I'm not there. I just have my notes. I guess I can flip over there real quick. But um, um, I I wrote down the tongue frames deceit, and that's in uh, verse 19. So let I'm your, now let, at Psalms 50. Let your mouth lose. Let your mouth loose in evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I kept silence. You thought that I was just like you. I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget the Lord. Lest I tear you into pieces and there be none to deliver. Starting at 16, but un... Yep, that's it. Starting at verse 16 in Psalms 50, it says... But unto the wicked, God said, "What hast thou to do to? What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou should take my covenant in thy mouth?" So think of this. Let's really unpack this. If we did not do it in part seven, then that was a failure on my part. So. What has you to do to declare my statutes that thou should take my covenant in your mouth? Who takes the covenant of God in their mouth? The church world today has taken the covenant of God. Hebrews 8.8 says that he declared a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now that is very, very specific. But when you ask somebody in the church, well, who is the new covenant made with? Or you say, well, I understand there is a new covenant. There is a new covenant. Isn't there brother so-and-so, pastor so-and-so? Why, yes, yes, there is. But from that point on, what you'll get is personal conjecture generally, and you will not get actual scripture and verse which will tell you who that new covenant was made with. They will avoid that scripture because it does not fit their theology. And the theology of the church world, as I brought out last week, Acts chapter 2, 34 to 41, is basically the pinnacle, if you will. It's the starting point of how the church has taught the rest of the church parishioners that it's just a spiritual Israel. Um, there is no longer an Israel. There's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, we're male or female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Of course, that's you know the the the, the first thing that that you'll hear spouted from their mouth. But they 
you ask them about Hebrews 8, 8, and that new covenant that was made with the house of Judah and the house of Israel, and you say, now, if that new covenant is indeed made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, as the scripture says, show me where your scripture says that it was not made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, but rather was made with a spiritual Israel. And they cannot bring you to chapter and verse other than a lot of conjectural verses in order to support and substantiate their own ideology and theology that they've been parroting for years. And so, again, how can you understand that you have an enemy if you do not understand that you are re-engaged with God, if you will, that you are, you because you have taken the spiritual step to actually be immersed in water and to be, you have heard that call of those that he has called and you have come to the knowledge and truth of the gospel message that God sent his only begotten son to redeem his people from their sins and to wipe their sins away and build anew with them with a new heart, that, that's an entirely different thing. And for people in, who have taken upon themselves to become, you know, taken the mantle or the name of Christian, Christ's sons, <clears throat> have to understand that the dominion was given to the sons of Christ, those who are serving at the pleasure of the king in the dominion. And you think of the enemies. I mean, absolutely. What can you say more that God than what David or the psalmist here says at the inspiration of God? What have you to do to declare my statutes? Who declares the statutes? The church world has said God's statutes are no longer valid. But who declares them? The Jews today declare God's statutes. Um, Or that you should take my covenant in your mouth. Well, who do the Jews claim that they are? They claim that they are God's chosen people. They claim that they are covenant sons of God. Seeing that thou hates instruction, well, who was it that hated instruction? Was it not Esau? Is it not their Jewish encyclopedia that self that says, 1982, that says Edom is modern Jewry? Is it not their writings themselves? And one day we're going to have to get into many of those writings and outside sources besides the Bible. Because what we tried to do was go only to the Bible and get to the crux of the matter of Israel, Judah, and Jew in that fellowship series. Seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind thee. Now, it's no doubt this is also speaking of the Israelites, both the house of Israel and the house of Judah, because they did also cast his words and his instructions behind him. When thou saw a thief, then thou consented with him, and hast been partakers with adulterers. So the Jews have a money system that allows for the taking of usury 
They have a money system that requires no money of their own. It's all fiat currency. All they have to do is print some fiat currency bills that represent money, and the people pass them around, and they take them in loan, and they pay back more than they actually borrowed. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue to frame deceit. Thou sits and speakest against your brother, and slanders your own mother's son. Well, who was this that slandered his own mother's son? Was it not Esau? Is it not Esau who also spake against his brother and said he would kill his brother? Was it not Jacob who was fearful when he met him in the way? So just because Jacob, uh, Esau changes his mind and doesn't slay his brother, but rather slays him all day long, all year long, generation to generation, isn't that much more of a sweet victory for Esau than to have just slayed Jacob at the moment he saw him again? Just asking a question. Well, you These get things a perpetual... Have I, go, go ahead. I was just going to say, you, you get a perpetual pain. Never-ending. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right. It, you get something kinda, that goes on. This may be a little weird, but it kind of sounds like the way that we... Uh, we treat murderers and rapists today. We don't just deal with them. We let them sit and rot in a prison. Right. Yeah, they don't even rot. Well, I mean, just taking it into the same thing that you're saying, Doug, instead of just dealing with them, ending their life, they're just going to torture them because that's more enjoyable probably for them. Amen. Well, yeah, I, I, go ahead. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Esther, but they don't really, it, it doesn't hurt in prison. I mean, it's worse than well, that. They, they commit the crime and then they pretend like they're being punished. Then they let them out to do it again rather than deal with it and hang them. Yeah. Right. They're tenfold more son of hell when they get out of prison. Yeah. Uh, Psalm 64, verse 3, they wet their tongue like a sword. First uh, Samuel 17, 8 to 10. Uh, those were the words of Goliath, remember? Um, verse 45 to 51. Um, David said, how dare you come against the ever-living God? He drew his sword and slew him. Um, Jeremiah 9.30 says they bend their tongues like a bow. Um, you know, they flatter with their tongues. Psalms 5.9, if I did say that, sorry. Um, um, flattering words uh, with tongue. Psalms 12:25. I wrote down also. These were all scriptures that I had under that part seven. Um, but you know, 
it's another one of these things that I don't understand how you can – I think it's in the art of war. Uh, Rich may have brought it up before. You know, if you don't know your enemy when you're going to war, um, how do you think like your enemy so that you can battle? And so the Christians' conundrum that they're in is that they do not understand the enemy yet. They, they have acquiesced to the enemy consistently. So that the enemy rises higher and higher, just as the scripture told us that they would. And so now it is all lamented because all of these things have come upon us. And God says, why should I even hear you? You've rejected my word. You've rejected my ways. You've rejected my statute. You've rejected my counsels. What need do you have of me that I should hear you. And it's just like the parent-child relationship. If you are telling a child, do this and all will go well with you, don't do this and all will go poor for you. And then continually it goes poorly and it goes poorly and it goes poorly and it goes poorly. And then the child cries out and says, Daddy, why has all this misery come upon me? And the father is forced with saying to the child, you did not hear anything I told you. Why do you cry out to me? Do you want me to tell you something now? And if I tell you it now, are you prepared to adhere to it? Are you prepared to acquiesce to it? Are you prepared to uh, apply it? And this is exactly what he says to his children Israel. Is there any that is willing to apply it? And if you don't understand that Israel still exists and the church world has taught you that there is no longer an Israel but only a spiritual Israel, we're all spiritual Israelites because we have heard the voice of the Messiah and they don't even care to call you to immersion for forgiveness of sins, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. They don't even call you to that. They just tell you to believe. Believe on him. Say a sinner's prayer. All of these things totally contrary to what the actual word does say. Now, we had Rich on for a second, but then it looks like, uh, Rich, you might still be there on the computer, but you, uh, you were on online. Uh, so if you want to dial back in, go ahead. Otherwise, I see you there online yet. So you can send a chat or anything through the online system too. So anyhow, um, I think that's kind of why I believe maybe the Spirit's been leading me as I talked in the last couple of times of fellowships that it seems to me like we've got to go a little bit farther in the Israel, Judah, and Jew, and we've got to come to... Uh, be able to uh, address those of our own supposed Christian brethren and, and address this situation about the fact that Israel does still exist and there is not, because that's kind of the next thing that the church world has taught, 
many people is that, oh, you know, there's, there's no Israel anymore. There's the Jews and there's the spiritual Israelites who, who heard the call and have been grafted in. And they'll take all the scriptures and completely, uh, you know, uh, use them incorrectly, out of context, and without full understanding of the actual concepts that are being, you know, discussed by Paul, Peter, and others. And so that's where I just decided to open up the door there last week in the book of Acts, just bringing ourselves to an understanding of the various scriptures just in the book of Acts alone which show us that indeed a physical Israel is still contemplated, still being addressed in these New Testament scriptures. And we've got to stop letting the church world tell our friends and so forth that are still attending these Judeo-Judaized churches um, that it doesn't exist. So, with that being said, um, what do you think? Are you guys ready to continue on in some more study of New Testament scriptures that will put to rest the New Testament Israel deception? Because I think we need to clearly call that a deception that the church world has has sought to, uh, you know, pull over the people's eyes. I'm for it. I'm all in. All right, well, then let's flip over to Romans because we went through the book of Acts, and for anybody that uh, wasn't in uh, last week's fellowship, it's, of course, archived. And I didn't everything, but I might go back and retitle that one then. Um, but, um, and if I forget, somewhere in this series, I want to take us in chapter 36 of Ezekiel because there's something there that I'd like to share with uh, everybody that I think is uh, forgotten and um, I I don't want to bring out the Old Testament prophecies just yet. What I want to do is go through the New Testament. We may refer, as I say, from time to time to the Old Testament prophecies that give rise to a certain scripture that we may be addressing here. But for the most part, um, we'll try to just go from the New Testament and we'll work ourselves backwards, you know, if you will. Um, and anybody that has a question about some of the scriptures that we go over, we'll note those questions and then we'll go to the Old Testament prophecies to see if we can get clarity and find answers. But anyhow, Romans chapter 9 um, Verses 1 through 4, I think, is something that we should begin with. Now, remember that I did go over in the series Israel, Judah, and Jew, in that fellowship series, that I did go over many of the New Testament scriptures um, that conveyed that Christ himself was speaking to Israelites or certainly acknowledging Israelites and those were all in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke. So we'll touch on that later, but I'm just going to hit on a lot of the New Testament epistles from Acts through the end of the, end of the Bible. So in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 4, it says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. This is, of course, Paul speaking to those in Rome 
um, the uh, obviously speaking to Israelites in Rome because he's going to say, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience witness uh, me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continuous sorrow in my heart for I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my, for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Now I want to remind you again as I said Acts chapter 2 verses 34 to 41 is kind of like the the pinnacle if you will for the spiritual Israelite this is this is okay we're now after the the ascension of Christ death burial resurrection and his ascension and therefore we have to understand that here was Paul speaking after this period of time and he's come to share to those in Rome that he's got a great heaviness of heart, continual sorrow. For he says, I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Why would you want to accurse yourself for your brethren? Because you'd, you'd like to take that curse for them if that's what it would do or that's what it would take in order that they could see the truth. Because you know that some of your brethren are not going to see it. Some of your brethren are, you're going to have great heaviness of heart. And this is what Paul is saying. I would wish that myself were accursed from Christ. For my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Is Paul talking about a spiritual brethren? Is he talking about a spiritual kinsman? No, he absolutely is not. He is talking about flesh and blood brethren who, he says, are Israelites. Oh, well, gee, he's concerned about his brethren who are Israelites. Well, he was a Jew, Doug. He was concerned about the rest of his Judahite brethren. Remember, we said any time that the word Jew is used in the Old Testament, it means Judahite or of the tribe of Judah. And in the New Testament, it can be used interchangeably as a Judahite, a Judean living in and near and around the land of Judea, and interchangeably to mean both Israel and Judah. So in this case here, we'd have to ask, well, who is he talking about? Israelites to whom pertain. Uh, it says, who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenant, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises? Well, that's pretty explicit, is it not? So if we were to say, well, these are just Israelites, these are just Israelites, uh, Paul's brethren, the Judahites, or Jews, as it's been translated in our Bibles, if we are to say, well, that's what he means here by saying, who are Israelites, well, let's just hold on just a second there. He says, to whom pertains the adoption? Well, who pertains the adoption? Well, I guess we're going to need to dig into something in order to find out to whom pertains the adoption. Secondly, and the glory. Well, to whom uh, does the glory 
and the covenants belong to? Well, I guess we're going to have to know who the covenants belong to in order to know what in the world Paul is talking about here. And the giving of the law. Well, I guess we're going to have to know who the law was given to in order to understand who it is that Paul's talking about here. And the service of God and the promises. Well, who do we know the promises were made with? You see, these are all the things that you use when you're in some you know, dissertation with somebody who's stuck in the Judeo church world, the Judaized Judeo church that is saying that, well, we're all spiritual Israelites now because we've heard the voice of the Messiah and we've come to him. Good evening, Rich. Good evening. I don't know if our internet's a little bit choppy, but some of your guys' voices as you were speaking that came in a little bit choppy, and it's probably ours because we got some rain in the area, and that seems to seems to happen all the time. So if we're to take this uh, we, verse 4, go ahead. Yeah, we've been having trouble with AT&T for the last two or three days, so it could be at my end, oh. too. All right. Yeah, I saw you were coming in on the computer, but then it looked like you were getting bumped out on the phone. So, all right, well, uh, just trying to uh, take this uh, Israel, Judah, and Jew uh, that we did for a number of fellowships and kind of add to it because of the, we're going to, I decided we might title this, subtitle it, The New Testament Israel Deception. Because the church world seems to have, Uh, decided that it's important to deceive the church, a body of believers, into believing that there is no longer any Israel, that there's only the Jews and those grafted in Israelites, and uh, spiritual Israelites, if you will. So I'm trying to address some of the New Testament scriptures that we need to unpack a little bit and that they oftentimes don't take the time. You can go to them with Hebrews 8.8 and say, well, it looks like there's a new covenant made here, but they'll never respond to it. And if they do, they'll just give you a lot of personal conjecture and stuff. So I thought it would be good for us to get into this and get a little better understanding. Now, in verse 4, it says, I've got some footnotes in my Bible, and, and I might bring this up to a lot of you. If you don't have a Bible that has a at least cross reference you know certain things you know in the in the particular passage and provide you some cross reference notes or something in the margin or otherwise it really would be a good idea to put that bible on the shelf for when guests come over or something so you've got an extra bible and order yourself a bible that has some footnotes and some cross references because it absolutely is is so necessary for good Bible study. Anyhow, on four, I have a footnote right here at the beginning of who are Israelites. And guess where it directs me to? Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. So I don't think we necessarily need to go there because I think all of us understand that. But you might want to just put it there if you don't have it in your Bible, don't have the cross-reference there. 
And then where it says to whom pertains the adoption, I have another footnote there, and that's Exodus 4.22. So you might jot that down. And then where it says the glory, um, I have another footnote there, and that footnote leads me to three scriptures. 1 Samuel 4.21, 1 Kings 8.11, Psalms 63.2, and 78.61. Then, at the covenants, I have another footnote, and that leads me to Acts 3.25, which was one of those that we went over last week. Actually, we didn't, I don't believe. I don't have it in my notes. I will make that note of that. And uh, we may just flip back there here in a little bit then, Acts 3.25, the glory. And and let's see, did I do that? Uh, Oh, where was I? The covenants, I'm sorry. I was on Acts 3.25 and Hebrews 8, chapter 8, verses 8 through 10 something that we've already brought up and referred to, and we all know about that. And then, of course, the giving of the law. And guess what we are referred to in the giving of the law? Psalms 147.19, and I know there are others, but obviously if we go to Psalms uh, 147.19, we'll probably find several more that will be cross-referenced again. And the service of God, and the footnote that I have there is Hebrews 9.1, and the promises. And the footnote for that scripture there is in this same book of Romans, and it would be Romans chapter 3, verse 2. I did not bring Romans 3.2 out in this here, but I will make a note of that as well. All right, so... The point is there's obviously a lot for us to unpack there in terms of he's talking about his own kinsmen in the flesh in verses 3. He says, who are Israelites? And then he goes on to convey who all these Israelites are. They are people to whom pertains the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. And then he goes on in verse 5 and says, whose are the fathers? and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. And verse 6, not as though the word of God has taken none effect. And see, that's exactly what has happened. The word of God has taken none effect when we take away the effect of God having to come and having come and redeemed his people. It's so pivotally important that he is not a liar. He is a God of truth. He prophesied that he would be their God again, that he was going to take away their sin. And here he says, Paul says, not as through the word of God has taken of none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Well, Boy, 
we wouldn't want to hear that in the church pulpits today. They are not all of Israel. Well, that just means, Doug, don't you know? They're not all Israel who are of Israel. So we're all spiritual Israel now. And so we're not all of Israel because there are people that are grafted in that are not Israel. Don't you know? Well, that's, of course, if you want to take the theology that they want you to follow. But remember, whether doctrines or parables or allegories, visions, prophecies, or metaphors, we must remember that we cannot be misled to interpret them contrary to the laws of God or contrary to the biblical historical record. So, well, gee, Doug, what are we going to do with Revelation 2.9 and 3.9? Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, let's go there. Give them to us, Rich. Go ahead. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And Revelation 3, 9, speaking to the church in Philadelphia, and that was speaking to the church in Smyrna there in, the, in the 2, 2, 9. And in 3, 9, behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved you, that I have loved thee, King James. So I and it's all the more reason. Absolutely. You know, and this is another thing that the church world just cannot accept and refuses to accept, is that it is God who chooses. And he chose, and then he also chose to bless, and he chose also to forget and to cast off and divorce. And he also chose to bring them back into covenant with him once again with a new heart and a new spirit. It just... Yeah, and if you, there's, there's, if you don't like it, take it go up ahead. with him. I was going to say, if you don't yeah. like it, take it up with him. Yeah. But this doesn't fit the paradigm that they've put God in, which is that he loves everybody. There is no doubt to me that God loves his creation and that which he created in it. But he created it with an order. And with that order, it seemed man was incapable of following the order. And carrying out and carrying on within the kingdom under that order. And so he put somebody in charge. Who, who runs a business and does not put somebody in charge? Russell, do you have somebody in charge of layout? Yeah. Do you have yeah. somebody in charge of, do you have somebody in charge of, of, colors and and other things and then have somebody else in charge of of you know 
silk screen screens or whatever, and somebody else in China. And I understand you do a lot of those, and so do uh, you know all the children participate in various aspects there as well. But you have tried to put some order down to well have ask answer. He he used to be the screen printing manager. So when Esther when Esther decided to abandon ship <laughs> and, and leave you high and leave you high and dry, did you have to go to that where you left off when you assigned that to Esther? <laughs> hey, I gave a three month notice. You gave a three month notice. Uh priceless. Well yeah. my well, point is know, the people we put are yeah, we have people in charge temporarily till they get wise. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and and obviously, and so it's like you know, God would do this for His creation, and why would we expect anything different? You know. And uh, if we're gonna if we're gonna put it all into some you know mystical you know theology that 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 robs it of all of its character and robs it of all of its, you know, uh, truth and characteristics, it, it just, it makes it really meaningless and it makes it really just a ritual, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and, and righteousness... Uh, righteousness can't help but it be a flower that blooms goodness and blessings. And that's what we want to come back to in America. That's the reason we are going down, down, down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And about I him, think he forgets this goes about to your the, children. Say again, Rich, I'm sorry. Uh, so forget about oh, yeah. him, he forgets about children. Yeah. yeah. 60 million babies you in know, the River Nile in this country. Yeah. 60 million? 60 million. And now we're getting inundated with with, with the uh, refugees, supposedly. Payback for all those babies. Yeah, and you see this rabid dogs marching in the streets. Somebody passes a law that says you can't murder children, innocent children. Look at these psychos marching in the streets. I bet everyone else is getting... They're going out of their freaking minds. Mm-hmm. Curtailing bail worship in the country. Yep. Well, we're to tearing down our idols. You know, you that's you right. tear well, down their there's, there's that's that's tearing down their sacrificial idol. Mm-hmm. And they've got to put a stop to that. They're tax-exempt church. 
called Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, I think again, I think again, that's all the more reason we have to understand why this is not a spiritual Israel. This is a commissioned people, commissioned for a plan and a service. And when we don't do it, the whole creation groans under the weight of it. Because how long can a society, how long can the, can the creation subsist with such lunacy? I mean, if we were to take it out to its logical conclusion, which is everybody should be a sodomite and everybody should be a, um, <clears throat> a, uh, a child sacrificer, then what is the conclusion no. of that? Well, well, I can show you the conclusion. Uh, the next thing that would happen would be one to 12-year-olds. The good ones we keep, the bad ones we kill. They've already talked about it, uh, that the kid gets born and they put him over the side of the room and then we discuss whether he lives or dies. Then once we get the the smaller kids, we pass it on to the teenagers, and uh, they're, they're well, well, by a committee. Well, how about this? How about this? Have have many people contemplated this? That since you're no longer allowed to discuss genderism or gender identity. Um, so in the hospitals and the prenatal wards and the postnatal wards and everything else is that we don't discuss any gender or anything else. So now let's say that the child gets to be five years of age and the child says, I want to be a boy just like I am. And those uh, who are the elders of this child say, well, that's just not acceptable. We expect you no. to identify with a female, which is the way we raised you. Well, Doug, and so therefore, there, therefore, you're, and therefore, you're not fit to live then, because you won't gender identify with the way that we have instructed you to gender identify. Mm-hmm. or the way you have been taught to gender identify. I mean, what's to stop it? But the logical conclusion, I guess the point I was making in it is that there won't be anybody to have any, yeah, there won't be anything to to fulfill posterity. And so the whole thing collapses. Mm-hmm. And that would, be the, that would be the logical conclusion. Go ahead. And we have we have evidence of that in other countries, such mm-hmm. as Greece and Rome. So I mean, this is not All right, now, fiction. Yeah, I mean, this has been done before. <laughs> uh, Romans nine. Since we're there, we'll go drop down to verse twenty-four. And Paul continues to say, um, see, I was going to see, uh, 
yeah, I don't suppose I need to go up. I was going to see if I needed to go up for more context. But he says, even us whom he has called, and then says, not of the Jews only, which should read, not of the Judahites only, the Judahites, uh, but also of the Gentiles. That word Gentile, um, I didn't, I didn't put the note in there as to what Strong's number that is, but somebody can grab that Strong's number. But it means nations. Um, So in other words, even us whom he has called, not of Judahites only, but also of Gentiles or of the nations. Okay, well, what nations would this be? And um, this helps us to further clarify and understand exactly what Paul was saying here with regards to who it is that he's speaking of. And again, I submit he is speaking of relative flesh and blood individuals, even us whom he has called, not of the Judahites only, but also of the Gentiles or the nations. Well, all you have to do is understand the Bible record a little bit to understand that Israel was scattered amongst the nations. And the prophecies say so. Um, I was going to read 25 and 6 also, so I've turned my page, as he says also in Hosea. So then, that means, well, in order to understand what Paul's saying here, we're going to have to go to the book of Hosea and see what it is that he's talking about. And as I said, we won't go to the Old Testament right now. We'll stay with the New Testament. And as he says now, he's quoting Hosea. He says, as he said also in Hosea, I will call them my people which were not my people, and her beloved which was not beloved. So if we were to go to that scripture, we must understand in the context of that scripture that he was speaking to someone who he said he would call them his people, which were not called his people, and beloved, which was not beloved. And I can guarantee you that that's exactly what we will find. 26, and it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, you are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. And who is the living God? The living God is the Christ child. We are the sons of Christ, the Christians, the Christ sons of the living God. So I had Romans 9, 1 to 4, and 9, 24, and 6, uh, just as specifics there. And of course, we also know that later on in verses 30 to 33, well, maybe we should read it. What shall we say then, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, had not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, question mark, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believes on him 
shall not be ashamed. So, we're talking about flesh and blood Israelites. Romans chapter 11. Verse 1, I say then, has God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. What, what ye not, I wonder what that word what translates to. I guess a, what, you know not what the scripture says. It must just be that, as simple as that. What you not, what you not, what the scripture says of Elijah how he makes intercession to God against it. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, what verse is that? Verse 2, part Uh, of 2. Verse 2 in 11. Yeah, the first first line. I have an Uh, English standard version. It says, do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? Yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's all it is is, what you know not what the scripture says or do you not know what the scripture says of elijah how he makes intercession to god against israel saying lord they have killed thy prophets see he's he's going back to the old testament and saying you remember how elijah prophesied against them and said they've killed your prophets and dig down your altars and i'm left alone and they seek my life but god said hey hey i've got a remnant so that's just another uh, location and another area there in Romans chapter 11, uh, verse 1 and 2, dropping on down to verses 7 and 8. What then? Israel has not obtained that which he seeks for, but the election has obtained it, and the rest were blinded, according as it is written in uh, uh, 8, God has given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And in that paragraph of verse 8, the uh, 7 concludes with we're blinded, and it would read unto this day. But what you have in all of verse 8 is a parenthetical, or it's a parenthesis there, indicating that this was a note added by the transcriptionist. So, in other words, it says in 7, and the rest were blinded unto this day, and then it would go right on to 9. But this transcriptionist uh, wrote in there, according as it is written, to try to bring our minds, the reader's mind, to that understanding that God had given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that would not see and ears that they would not hear, as just a further emphasis to remind you that God is what who said that he would, he would cause them to slumber. Not anything particular important, just thought I'd bring that out because it really is not part of the scripture, uh, that parenthetical part of verse 8. Um, Romans uh, 11, continuing on from 15 to 26, For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. 
And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Uh, thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou stands by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not you or thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell. Severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, <clears throat> which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Continuing, verse 25, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, till the fullness of the nations be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. Excuse me? And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Sion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. And that all is a pretty good cross-reference to John chapter 15 um, in the Gospel of John. So, one more evidence here in the book of Romans regarding a physical Israel, as it says in verse 26, very clearly, and so all Israel shall be saved. Now, if all Israel is the house of Judah and the house of Israel, or if all Israel is Jacob Israel, it's pretty clear, is it not, that it's all Israel and not just what the church world has tried to imply is a spiritual Israel? Why is it that the church world seems set against conveying this truth to the people of what their role and their commission is in order to carry out the true destiny of the commission and rather put it all into some spiritual concoction of wishy-washiness. Am I making any sense at all? That enables them to live at the level they're living without doing any work. That's why they do it. 
their lazy bums. Think about preachers. it. Well, think about it. I don't know a single preacher that in this town in any major church that doesn't live out in a gated community. And all he's got to do is just not rock the apple cart. Just tell them Jesus loves everybody and we're going to have a potluck lunch. With homemade ice cream competition. It'll be a great kumbaya when the Lord returns. Yeah. And Doug's going to stand up and read this and he's going to get thrown out of the fellowship. (laughs) (laughs) Again. Well, you won't have a lot of company, Doug, but you have a little bit. Amen. I'll have the... I'll have the company that I, I I probably would enjoy the most, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, it is something to be said for somebody who likes truth, you know, and, and I don't mean that as a pat on the back. I mean, we're all sitting here trying to ascertain truth and trying to rightly divide the word. and so I feel comfortable in that we're comfortable trying to rightly divide the word and it may be just us but as long as it's just us um, and those who you know pick up these messages out there elsewhere and there's a remnant you know there's a remnant that you know we don't reach with this fellowship certainly as we continue to, you know, reach out and and share and so forth. Um, you know, that there'll be others that we can actually well, physically recognize or physically hear. You know. Well, let's think about it, Doug. Just think about why others. You know, I realize lots of people. The time escapes them. They can't. Can't schedule this in, but here's the point I'm getting at. is A lot of times, men's pride prevents them from, from learning and from questioning this preconceived babble that, that's been belched down their throats all their lives. I mean, you you come out and you say, what? things mean and everybody just looks at you like you're nuts and so I think our number one when I say pride what I mean is your inability to just say I don't care anymore I just want the truth I don't care what they call me you know when you get to that point and you say I don't care if this goes against 10,000 years of Bible teaching, it was a lie. You just come to this point when you've been, you've been lied to so much that you don't care anymore what they call you. You just want the truth. 
Do you realize how profound that is to to think of this this for instance this word uh, word Hades? What a you know what a way to control people. Telling them if they don't do what you tell them to do, they're going to burn in hell. That's just one example. And then all of a sudden, Doug's called a no-devil-doctrine preacher or a no-hell-doctrine preacher. And that's not what Doug has said at all. There is a place of death, and there is an adversary to Jesus Christ's teachings. Matter of fact, there's a whole slew of them. Oh, a whole lot of them. But that doesn't come out All in right. a slander. No, no, it doesn't doesn't come out in it at all. It just, uh, I, you know, and that's the nature of man, I guess, is uh, is the the quick tongue uh, without thinking. All right, well, let's flip over to Galatians chapter three. You were going to say something more, Russell? Go ahead. I, I just said of which we're all guilty at one time or another, but we's are getting smarter. Yeah. Galatians chapter okay. 3. So, Rich, I heard you saying something, didn't I? No. What'd you say? Oh, Galatians oh I thought 3. you were starting to say, yeah, I thought Galatians chapter 3. Um, we might as well go ahead and start at 6. He says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know you therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So then, they which be of the faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law on the side of God it is evident for the just shall live by faith. All right, we'll stop there. Really, all we needed there was uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. And um, the reason I brought this out was because this is one of those scriptures that is often used by the church world to essentially um, continue the deception. As we've subtitled this message series on this fellowship is going to be Israel, Judah, and Jew, the New Testament Israel deception. And the reason I'm saying it just as that, the New Testament Israel deception, because I want to point out that there is a deception, and the deception is those who have been preaching to us for six, seven decades now, at least in our lifetimes, and much of the church world as we know it, evangelical, uh, um, uh, where am I looking, Protestant, uh alike baptist uh 
this has all been part of the theology is that you know there were spiritual Israelites they have cast off the whole concept and the whole understanding and the whole biblical truth and record of all of these epistles that were written about the covenant and blessing that God was actually carrying out that he was bringing into fruition they they literally have taken it and done it damage because of the theology which they're professing so here in 3 7 to 9 the well if you're of faith then you're of Abraham yes that's exactly right if you are one who truly has that faith has the same faith that Abraham because Abraham did not have to do the works of the ordinances of the law that were brought at Mount Sinai, the Mosaic law covenant, he didn't have to fulfill that. Abraham already knew God and knew his statutes. As the scripture says, Abraham kept his statutes and his judgments. So Abram already knew those, and he was called faithful Abraham then after because he was going to be a father of many, many nations even as he was preparing to kill the only son which would have allowed him the opportunity to be a father of many nations. How can you be a father of many nations if you've never even had a son or the son that you did have by, by uh, the Spirit of God and not by flesh? Because Abraham did have other offspring by the works of the flesh which was taking his concubine um, or Sarah's uh, handmaid uh, and having Ishmael. So for as many as are, so let's see, uh, back up to eight, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen. This is another important thing. In that verse, there's the word heathen. And if you go and look up the Strong's word there, it's number 1484, it's ethnos, and it's derived from, they believe, probably from 1486, and the root word um, was to be accustomed, uh, that which is want, well, it's basically irrelevant, but the ethnos, as it's defined, 1484 there, it's Gentiles, it's used 93 times as Gentiles, used 64 times as nation, and only five times as heathen, and as people two times. So you can see the predominant use of the word heathen there still had to do with um, the nations, if you will, uh, multitude of nations, individuals of the same nature or genus, it says in verse 2, a tribe, nation, people, or group. In the Old Testament, foreign nations worshiping the true God, pagans, Gentiles. Paul uses the term for Gentile Christians, uh, definition number five. So when you define the word, you find out he's talking about Gentile Christians. He's talking about Gentile nations. He's talking about Gentile Israelites when the word heathen is used in translation. So he might be talking about it's not. Yeah, you know, 
it's not as the church world has tried to project to us that, oh, this was encompassing all those heathen nations all around that were, you know, coming to Christ. Well, just ask yourself a question. What do you know in the biblical record about the people who came to Christ or came to the gospel message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in the days of the apostles? <clears throat> Did you hear people from all areas of the globe coming from, from Asia and from, you know, uh, other nations of other races of people? No, it was predominantly the Israelites that came. Were there some that came from others? Uh, absolutely, but it wasn't the predominant, and certainly it is not predominantly who Paul is speaking of here, once again. Just another another scripture that gets, you know, and we'll, we'll look at some things in, in Galatians 3 that I think we can cross-reference back to, um, for example, in verse 8, um, I think it was, um, just looking for it here, it tells us uh, to see also Romans 9.17, which is what we were in. And you recall when we were in 9.1-4 and 9.24 and 26, we maybe didn't go to 9.17, but when you go to 9.17, which it cross-references here, it's going to lead us right back to the Old Testament again, and it's going to lead us right back to the Israelites again. Flesh and blood individuals, not spiritual, you know, you know, amalgamations. <laughs> and it's so important, but they have done such great damage and such great disservice. And there might be some that are thinking, well, who are you, Doug? You know, what are your credentials? I'm sorry, folks, I don't have any. And you don't have to believe me. Just believe the scriptures. Take what I say or what I am speaking and saying to you and cross-reference it to the scriptures and tell me where I'm wrong. And I'll be better for it and you'll be better for it. Chances are, you're going to be better for it. <laughs> My gosh, did you so, talk about humanity? <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I just concluded the circle, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, oh, brother! I, uh, all right, let's no see what's next here. No credentials. Well, Don't let well, anybody we, on talk show. Yeah, don't let anybody on the talk show. All right, let's see. Um, oh, Ephesians is another one. I'm going to have to bow out if it's 9 o'clock because I have, oh, have a big all day. Right. It, all right, it's 9 already. Well, then I guess we'll leave it there, and uh, I'll pick it up with Ephesians then next week. I don't know. Is this any good? Is this uh, is this doing anything? What say you, Esther? Uh, I think it's good. It's just uh, it's kind of hard to keep up with the verses that are getting thrown out. But I yeah. mean, I have Romans nine, um, eleven, Galatians three. Well, here, here, let me go through them. Uh, 
let me go through them. And also, you'll notice on the talk show, um, when you go to this particular audio, um, yeah. it, it does a pretty good job of putting up some of the scriptures. You know, it'll, it'll refer to things that were highlighted or whatever in the conversation. But I'll give them to you quick. Romans 9, 1 to 4. Um, okay. And, and then 24 to 26. And I think I read a little bit farther than that. And then okay. Romans 11, 1, and 7 to 8. Uh, wait, Romans 11, 1? 11, 1, and 7 to 8. So you're still in 11. 11, 1, okay, 7, to 8. Comma, okay. 7 to 8. And then Romans 11, 15 to 26. Okay, 15 to 26. Um, uh, let's see. Then we did Galatians three seven to nine. Okay. And um, that's as far as we got. So okay. We well, I'm going to read through. Go ahead. So, yeah. No, we basically stayed pretty much in the book of Romans. Just going in those epistle or that epistle that Paul spoke to the Romans, and then we hit Galatians right there at the end. All right, well, I'm going to read through. Uh, hopefully, through this week, I'll go through nine and eleven and three. Read through the whole chapters. <clears throat> but the overall highlighted thing is your you're trying to expose the fact that there's still a physical Israel. Absolutely, yeah, that, that, that we did not, you know, nothing, the, the idea from the church world that, you know, somehow Israel is still non-existent, we're dealing with basically the New Testament is the Jews and um, those spiritual Israelites who um, are, are come into the, the fold and have heard the gospel message and have been grafted in, as so to speak. And that's the, right. what the church world has done a great job of deceiving the people. And that's why I thought it would be a good way to title it the New Testament Israel Deception, because they're deceiving people that there is no New Testament Israel. And that's a huge right. deception, because it takes away from the, the power of you know, quite frankly, it's a big slap in the face to Christ. You know, his whole death, burial, and resu- resurrection is absolutely meaningless. He didn't right. do what he said he was going to do, is essentially what the church world has adopted by adopting this fictitious philosophy that Israel doesn't <laughs> exist at all, and we're all just spiritual Israelites and Jews. Right. So this yeah. is kind of a companion to our series, Israel... Judah and Jew, this seven, seven or eight part fellowship series that we did, and then uh, this will be kind of taking the New Testament Israel part of it, and uh, you know closing the book on it, so to speak, uh, of yeah. this spiritual Israel. Yeah. And well, then there's a whole lot of yeah, prophecy, yeah. so I, I think it. I think in all in all, we might end up with several different fellowships out of this because I still have what four epistles to go through and then the gospels 
I don't think we'll spend a lot of time on them because we've been in them in the Israel, Judah, and Jew uh, series, fellowship series. So we won't have to spend a lot of time. But we will need to now go back and look at the prophecies of all of these epistle uh, ones to verify that we're still talking about the same people. Right. All right. Well, I mean, all right. Makes well, sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for the opportunity to join with others like mine as we begin to continue to clear the minds of your people, Father, that are being deceived in the in the churches of today. And Father, we know that the body of Christ is the church. We know and understand that we are members of that body, but we are to be like members of the body and to act in accord with the body. And so what we're trying to do is to open up our minds to the deception that has been uh, put into the minds of the people that there is no longer an Israel. Israel went out of existence. It makes your whole plan of salvation for Israel is the total mockery to do away with it the way the church world has done it. And we're looking forward to continuing to try to sharpen ourselves and understand what has happened in that deception. I just thank you for the opportunity to share these things that you've helped me to see and understand and that I might be able to share them with others so that we be sharpened by it. And so, Father, I pray your blessing upon it for those that are listening out there um, and uh, are benefited by it as well that we're not able to be here at fellowship. So, Father, that's my prayer. I also pray for your people, those that are still uh, in pregnancies, that you be with them, Father. I thank you for the wonderful uh, praise report that we had from uh, close by with Rich and Linda and, and, and Linda's recovery from that uh, brain surgery on that uh, tumor that uh, we just pray that you continue to heal her up and bind it so that, you know, what was taken out of the way that was causing the restrictions and causing the the uh, blood flow problems, uh, that she's going to have a, continue to have her full recovery. So we thank you for your hand in that. We continue to pray for those out there that are in need of prayer, that that are suffering and, and have things that are, that are going on. We thank you for the blessed travel home that you gave Rich and Nancy and we just pray for our brothers here on the fellowship and all their labors and their work and I pray for my owners father those that I work for that you bless us with uh, rentals and and good qualified candidates and uh, just ask for that blessing on the work that we all labor in so we praise you and give thanks and glory to you in Jesus name amen Amen. All right, all right man. everybody. Good night, all. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night.